0: On this episode of Resi Week, we talk finding success in new places. Barco is focusing on residential, and AT and T mergers with Time Warner. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week.
1: The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is, is AV Nation. Nation. This is AV Nation.
0: Resi Week episode 124 Professional Outreach. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by
1: Sure. Because every voice matters. And by Middle Atlantic. What great systems are built on. Welcome to Resi
0: Week. This is your weekly wrap up of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott, for AVNation.TV. And today I'm pleased to be joined by Jeremy Glowacki. He is an industry media icon. How are you, sir?
1: Doing well. I'm uh, having a little time to myself here, looking for some uh, some clients in the content development world and uh, happy to be here.
0: Excellent. Glad to have you here. And uh, last but not least, we have Andre Lalonde. He is an industry vet. How are you, sir?
2: Doing well, my buddy. How you doing? Doing fantastic. You and I, we go way back. To gosh, what 12 years ago at Lutron? Something like that, exactly. The first graduating class of
0: Radio RAW 2, my friend. <laughs> that is very, very true. All right, gentlemen, let's jump right into this today. This comes to us from Residential Systems uh, and our good friend Todd Anthony Puma. He's talking about finding success in unexpected places as you read through the article. Uh, He goes through a couple of things, uh, specifically how for himself, he found a a Facebook group specifically for Crestron dealers and Crestron programmers, and he's been able to leverage that into some great opportunities. He also looked at revisiting some of his vendor relationships and uh, discovering some vendors that had some products that he had previously overlooked in the past that he's having great success with. And last but not least, he he's discovered marketing <laughs> and discovered that end user marketing is a good thing. Um, gentlemen, I want to kick this right off and 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 come back, uh, start with you, Jeremy, on this. When we start to look at, you know, finding success and, and expanding our reach, expanding our our pool of of potential clients and, and things such as that, what other area what other areas can we look at beyond, you know, kind of the basics like Facebook groups and, and traditional advertising and stuff such as that? Because like even in, in my own company, we've had great success on Twitter within, you know, the, the, the tech groups, if you will, in our local community. We've had great success with uh, like a dad's club that's on Facebook in our local region. Uh, things like that seem fairly, fairly normal and fairly easy to get to. But beyond you know some of those basic kind of really marketing things, what other areas can we look at to to find success in?
1: Well, one of the ideas that I thought of was um, you know the old idea of CDA's train the trainer um, mm-hmm. program, and uh, with those you know it's mostly to your professional groups like the the architects and designers. But you bring those guys in, and especially with the architects, they need continuing education credits, so they're they're going to have, uh, uh, you know, a lot of interest in coming in and learning about technology, you keep it really surface level, you know, go into the deep engineering speak about anything. I know that Lutron was you know, a good p- participant in these events and you've got local dealers who are going to have um, all of their local architects um, and designers come in for a lunch and learn or an evening reception uh, hosted at um, pr- even a, a client's home could be a possible outlet for that or uh, your own showroom that's a better fit and uh, they get a chance to touch the the technology look at it get get a better feel for it and see how that can be something that they can um, promote to their clients and then trust this company this integration company as a as a partner going forward so I think those face-to-face kind of opportunities with business partners are really good with end users you know like you said there's other you know types of uh, social groups, but I think face to face is something that's so essential. It's undervalued. It's not uh, always about social media and online. That's a great, great outlet. Like Todd has found, but uh, to to find local community opportunities are are really essential.
0: Let me let me ask you a quick follow up, Jeremy. When we look at the the train the trainer type applications and and reaching out to those industry groups, uh, I've been in the industry for fifteen sixteen years now. And we've talked about it for years, and I've never really met anyone who's done a fantastic job at it. Is this something that just continually gets overlooked?
1: I think they're out there. I think that you just, um, you know, it's a diamond in the rough kind of thing. There's not, uh, um, you know, always great examples everywhere you go. I, I attended one in my local uh, market. Uh, Tom Darty, who is an industry legend, hosted an event at basically a a mansion here locally it happened to be an old client of his to uh, let him use the facility and uh, it was really well done it was like an industry event you know um, and he kept it at a level that you know anyone could really understand and, and just made you feel kind of comfortable with the technology and we're, we're talking about you know shades and we're talking about lighting control it's it's stuff that the those that particular audience can really relate to we're not Mm -hmm. getting into hdmi and things like that you know um why doesn't
0: my arc work
1: (laughs) (laughs) exactly so i think that i think you find them i every every event i go to we talk about that there there are there's a smattering of people that are doing this it's definitely uh an untapped opportunity there's uh, there's plenty of people that are not doing it but i think. For every market, there's at least one or two that really understand how the value of that type of an event.
0: Very good. Andre, when he, when Todd started talking about vendors mm-hmm. and, and looking at vendors, it, it, it's something that, again, we think about a lot that you need to look at your lines, look at who you have, look what's in your portfolio, look for new opportunities in your portfolio. How often and, and how important is it to you know kind of take that step back and look at your vendor you know, opportunities and relationships and and look at what else is out there that either offsets something you currently have or is a great addition to stuff you currently have.
2: I think, honestly, it is extremely important and should be something that's done on a very, very regular basis. The reality is business is changing so fast that we have so many new products, so many new solutions coming in that it's really easy for us to get stuck in a world of I've always done it this way. And therefore I'm going to keep doing it this way. And I'm referring to a solution, a technical solution, not about marketing in this case. So the idea is to be able to open your mind, expand it. The article does a really good job of saying, look at all this stuff with Oversee that I had no idea you could do. Mm-hmm. And that's not, of course, that's a Snap v product, but that's just an, one example of other lines, right? When I was at Lutron, I was director of marketing at Lutron. We used to always talk about, you know, you can dim the lights, but you have the shades, and then you have temperature, and then you have energy, and it's thinking of all these little aspects that you have to be able to, to be looking at overall and looking and understanding your big, your big business as well.
0: Very good. All right, gentlemen, let's move on to our next story. This comes to us from Dealer Dealerscope. Uh, it seems that Barco and ASEON Unlimited have announced a state-of-the-art projection partnership. Uh, Barco Residential, who if you you don't know Barco, they are a huge name and projection in the commercial space, uh, especially in the large format, uh, large venue space. Uh, Not as well known in residential, though, but a a huge behemoth of a a projection technology company. They've started a successful partnership uh, with ASEON, and they are looking forward to uh, using this partnership to create an opportunity and exchange some best practices with some of their members, and and move the the industry forward within projection. Andre, let's start with you on this. This is a this is a big move for Barco. They mm-hmm. have been in the residential space, but fairly limited in the residential space, mainly because they are a high end niche product. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's really no, there's no way I can dance around that. It it's not something that you're going to put up against an Epson. This is a a very very nice, higher-end product. When you look at this partnership between Barco and ASEON, they're offering 12 projectors uh, or, or with, obviously, all the, the things that come with that. And they're you know going up against some of the other high-end names that ASEON has. But this is still going to be a tough – I think it's going to be a bit of a tough sled for them because they are so ultra-high-end. Mm-hmm. What do you see with
2: this? Well, I think, A, it's, first, it's a good step in the right direction. Uh, merging in or, or starting to do a relationship on the residential side with one of the buying groups, right? They chose to go with Asion. You know, Richard is a marketing genius. So, honestly, as a first step to get in, I think that's an absolutely billi- a brilliant play on their part to be able to forge that type of relationship. But I think you're also going to see eventually that they they may be aspiring to go into some higher-end type dealers that may belong to other buying groups as well. So I don't think this is going to be a one and done for them. They're going to start here. They're going to learn from here. But I expect to see other types of announcements with other buying groups, honestly, over the course of the next six months, especially with the CDA Expo coming up.
0: Right. Very good. Jeremy, when you look at this, you, you know, again, Barco has a has a really rich pedigree in this and in ultra high performance. But when they say that they're focusing on residential, <laughs> and I'm trying to figure out how to ask this properly, but when you say you're focusing on something, but again, they're only offering 12 SKUs, um, how how much of a focus can it be? Or is it still possibly like a side project for them?
1: Well, I mean, I would imagine that has something to do with just the opportunity that they see within the residential um, dealership and that they don't want to, provide too many solutions that could overcomplicate the opportunity. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. keep it straightforward to start with. Um, Don't, uh, you know, don't assume that there's a consultant involved with a bunch of, you know, input on, you know, these, like a commercial sort of uh, university type project or something like that. But um, I think that uh, they're by just having a, a residential line. I mean, they've, Named it that. It's not like they just have some SKUs listed on their website. They, mm-hmm. they have a division the of their company. I think that they're pretty serious about it. Um, a, a little point that I, I kind of realized was that uh, the digital projection used to be an Asion partner as well, and that's changed. So this group isn't unfamiliar with the high end video projection. Of course, they have Sony as well. So. Uh, there's a bit of overlap there with the other buying groups on, on a Sony um, and Samsung as well. But uh, I believe that uh, Andres is right. There's probably uh, an opportunity there for, for more of that uh, sharing of buying groups. And this might be their first step into it. Uh, we'll see if, if the dealers really embrace it or not. Um, there there aren't a ton of dedicated theaters going in these days. A lot of, you know, uh, family room. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of entertainment spaces, really, that's been the trend as of late. So uh, I don't know how many uh, jobs this is really going to turn into for them within the group. We'll we'll find out. Well, I guess
0: the interesting caveat that I would look at is, yes, you're right. We are seeing less and less uh, or fewer and fewer dedicated theater rooms. But when we are seeing them, they're usually the ultra high end. <laughs>
1: True.
0: So It should be a good fit. All right, gentlemen. Let's go on to most likely our last story of the day. This comes to us from the New York Times. AT and T has closed their acquisition of Time Warner. This was announced on the uh, the 14th just the other day that they have completed their eight or sorry, eight hundred eight, eighty-five billion dollar. It's such a big number, I flubbed it. Uh, their eighty-five billion dollar acquisition of Time Warner on Thursday and. Uh, this is going to be a, a huge deal because it brings together uh, AT and T, who obviously is AT and T, and the media and entertainment portfolio that is uh, Time Warner, that includes things like HBO, CNN, uh, a ton of major sports broadcast uh, contracts, as well as you know things like Harry Potter and that franchise and a bunch of other things. When we start to look at this, you may instantly you know look at it and go, "Why does this fit? Why are we talking about this?" But what I wanted to get into, and and Andre, we'll start with you on this, this is is a big deal for a couple of reasons. One, it's a huge merger. Mm -hmm. Two, it brings together two massive firms within the same area. And we're to a point where we have, what, three now? Major media conglomerates that are uh, essentially running the show back in, gosh, I don't even remember how long ago. You can probably name it for me. But back when they split up a bunch of the telcos and, and uh, divided everything up, that was done for uh, you know, better service for the clients and, and just a, a whole lot of legal things. But now that we have these three big conglomerates, what, where do you see this going forward?
2: Uh, it's, an, it's definitely going to be interesting. And yes, it does reminisce of the, the telecom act of 1984, which is basically the deregulation of the former AT&T into the seven baby bells. As a for, former Nortel Network guy, I remember having to do all that stuff many, many years ago. But ultimately, that one ended up happening. And then what what happened? So we have the seven baby bells, right? And next thing you know, there were two or three wireless companies that emerged out of that. And then the wireless companies started buying the Baby Bells, right? AT&T eventually used to be singular, which was Bell Atlantic and Bell South merging together. <laughs> so you basically saw these conglomerates, basically, they broke them up. And basically, all they did was over time, with changes in technology, we moved them back together. And next thing you know, content is king. And now they start adding content and content and content. To be honest, I think the, the more telling side is this whole Fox debate that's going on right now with is Disney going to win or is Comcast going to win, right? Comcast, yeah. which owns NBC universal. And now you're also talking again, is I think it's 65 or $70 billion acquisitions, right? So how much more vertically integrated are these guys going to get? And what I'm afraid of is, you know, at one point are these guys going to start putting in proprietary technology because all oh, are me or not versus, you know, we're going to end up back with seven little white boxes, on top of my, you know, on my, on my table stand. So I can control every single one of them individually. So Mm -hmm. I think it's great from one perspective. If you only want to deal with one content, everything, Hey, everything can be delivered from one guy and you're great. But I like choice. The whole point of breaking up these companies was to create choice. And it seems like as consumers, we're losing choice.
0: Jeremy, when we listen to what Andre is saying and we look at, you know, things going forward from a a traditional telco standpoint. When we deal with them as residential integrators, it's the cable box, you know, the cable modem or, or, you know, the fiber modem, whatever. Um, But those are really the two things we deal with. We don't so much get involved in, you know, content and all this other stuff. We are going to start to because we're going to continue to see, you know, one of the big things that they're talking about with this merger is the availability of all of Time Warner's media properties on AT&T mobile from a a mobile standpoint and using that that additional screen. When we start to look at this as integrators, are you seeing or are you foreseeing any major changes to how this will affect the residential integrator?
1: Well, first of all, um, for this whole thing, I blame, once again, I blame millennials. I do too. So they terrible. <laughs> one, one of the one of the, uh, the elements here is that uh, that AT and C you know acquired Directv and has not been doing very well as well with it because millennials weren't wanting satellite, so they created Directv Now as a streaming service. So this is a you know a competitor to um, you know I guess Netflix and Amazon. Um, you know, Disney's potential streaming service. And that wasn't as successful. So now they're looking for content for it because apparently that's the problem. That's, you know, the Time Warner piece of it is the content. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it all comes back to the fact that people don't want to buy big cable TV packages anymore. Namely, the young younger demographic doesn't want to do this. Um, they don't want to buy satellite packages. So they, they're, these big companies are trying to figure out how to make money off of this content and uh, so I do think that it could be more boxes like Andre said um, mm-hmm. you know and it could be a, a you know the headache for the consumer is you can't get all of it in one place which is annoying um, you know you look at how Disney is wanting to lock down their content and you know the, the, they've had changes over the years in terms of what apple tv was able to show amazon for a while you couldn't get all that that content I'll, I'll hear about a new show and you know you have to be an amazon subscriber to be able to get it you know a prime subscriber so mm-hmm. little things like that their headaches i don't know ultimately the consumer to be able to do um, a la carte is kind of the goal here to be able to just mix and match what you want so from an installer standpoint it's probably more boxes that's what i predict but we'll see if they'll be able to come together in some unified platform and just offer certain, you know, apps within those boxes. As so I guess topic.
2: something to look at then guys is this ties in and into the whole 5g realm, right? With mm-hmm. this whole 5g deployment with all the other technologies that come in and maybe Matt, that maybe that's the answer. Yeah. To, you know, how is this going to affect the integrator? Well, instead of there being a fixed fiber router or some type of other router, now it's going to be a 5G router, right? Well, at and is already in the wireless. They already have the spectrum. They paid billions of dollars for those licenses. Yep. They have the pipe into the house. So now, how are they going to be able to increase their ARPU, average revenue per user, right? The only way they could do it is by offering content, which, by the way, is no different than Verizon's purchase of Oath, which was AOL and Yahoo. Yep. And now we're seeing Disney and our friends at NBC, as I mentioned before, well not NBC but Comcast, basically buying some content as well. So everybody's buying pipes. Everybody's buying, you know, is looking and starting to load these channels up and these pipes up with content in order to be able to maximize their dollars. Because, as Jeremy has already pointed out, because people are leaving cable in the U.S., people are going out and they're going over TT and they're changing their ways. Not everybody, but it's definitely a trend and of millennials. You know, being a father to two of them, I'd say, damn right, it's, it's, they're, they're the ones who are doing this. <laughs> but hold on, is it not, it, this is not
0: dissimilar from anything else, though, where you can't go to any major store, unless it's Amazon, <laughs> and buy everything. If you, you know, if you need tools, you got to go to Home Depot. If you need groceries, you got to go to, depending where you are here, it would be Loblaws. But in this day it'd be Meijer, Walmart, Super Centers, or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Is it not, you know, just a really a big part of our job as integrators to make all these three or, or however many players
2: all come together and work nicely? Oh, I would say absolutely. However, we have how many years of experience that show when you try to get people to play nicely together and you still can't get it done entirely correctly. And <laughs> if somebody goes and locks up a particular type of interaction or capability because they want to own that channel all the way through. And now it makes it that much more difficult, right? They have an extremely big uh, distributed audio company that started off with proprietary and then opened up their API, right? Which you're probably going to leave into your next article that you want to talk about. But basically <laughs> they opened up their API to make sure that everybody can now play fair and everybody can have the same type of access. And all they ended up doing there, that wasn't about increasing the size of the pie. That was about making the pie bigger, which yeah. is a much smarter move, which is what these guys are doing ultimately. Very good. All right, gentlemen,
0: let's leave it there because I don't want to talk about that. article. (laughs) We talked about it last week. I don't need to gripe anymore. Uh, Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Jeremy, if people want to connect with you, where can they do that?
1: Um, I'm back on Twitter, but just barely. So uh, find me and follow me. Uh, Thank you to Tim for following me back already. It's uh, it's a big day when you have your first follower. Um,
0: (laughs) Have I followed you yet?
1: I, it, you'll see soon. I, I just, it's really, really new. Trust <laughs> me. Don't worry about it. Um, so it's Glawaki <laughs> underscore Jeremy. And of course you have to learn how to spell my last name for that to work, but, uh, uh look for, for me there. And also Jay Glowacki at jeremyglowacki.com.
0: Beautiful. Which again, you have to figure out how to spell it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Andre, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people connect with you?
2: My pleasure. Basically, the easiest way to connect with me, obviously, is on LinkedIn or on Facebook. uh, Andre Lalonde. Very, very easy. Just happens to be my Twitter handle. I'm not a big Twitter user myself. My kids are. And it's probably why I don't use it a lot because I'm scared of what they're posting. (laughs) Um, And obviously, uh, any type of email, of course, is malaland at yahoo.com
0: beautiful thanks again for joining us for myself if you'd like to connect with me you can find me on twitter at Matt d scott uh, and every other social platform but more importantly please stop by avnation.tv you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of our other shows with all the verticals that we cover when you visit the website please take a moment to check out our underwriters we are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you support them as well thanks again for watching that's all the time we have for this episode of resi week